don't know me or I haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Pastor Tucker Parman. I'm a, a pastor on staff here, and uh, I'm really excited to get to be here with you and share this morning what I feel like the Lord's called me to, to teach and preach on. If, if, if you weren't here last week, I want to play and do a little bit of catch-up for us. So we're all kind of moving into today with the same understanding, and we're all coming from the same place. We are in the very beginning parts of a new series called The Body. And our, our kind of tagline for this series is, you don't fit in, you belong. And we believe that. We believe that you belong here. It's not just a matter of fitting into this space, but belonging to these people. And last week, Pastor Kyle did a phenomenal job kind of opening us up, setting the tone and the vision for where we're headed. And uh, I want to kind of take that mantle and move us forward a little bit today. Our theme verse for this series is Ephesians 4, verse 16. And this is what it says. It says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And this is the hope for our series, that we as a church, that we as a people in this room would be growing and that we would become more healthy, and that we would grow deeper in our faith, and that we as the people of God would be full of love. That's what we want for this church. That's what we want for you and I as a people of God. And this morning, I want to maybe go backwards a little bit. I want to ask the question, how did we get here, right? We see verse 16 kind of ends a train of thinking for Paul, and I want to say, how did we get to that point? I don't know if you've had a moment in your life where you kind of get to a place where you're scratching your head thinking like, how in the world did I wind up where I'm at? Maybe you've had a really good instance in your life where you're asking yourself that same sort of question. But I think it can be helpful in those moments to maybe do a little bit of backtracking and come to a place where we, we, we understand how we got to where we are. And so that's the hope and that's the heart this morning. I want to ask these types of questions. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at, at how Paul got to this point. What was Paul thinking? What was Paul teaching on? What was Paul talking about that led him to make this statement that we collectively are the body of Christ and as we work together in our own special giftings that we will grow into maturity? What was Paul talking about? Well, let's take a look. We're going to look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. I know that's a lot of scripture. Don't worry. We're going to break it down verse by verse. But we're going to read through it all this morning. Starting in verse 1. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit. Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Uh, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I want to read one last verse found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. It says this, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? And then we'll jump into that text here this morning. Lord, we just ask um, for your spirit to guide this conversation. God, that you would, you would bless this time together as we dig deeper into your word. Lord, we want to hear you speak. We want to know, God, how you have called us to live. God, the way that is in line with your will, the way, God, that, that builds us up into maturity, Lord, and ultimately the way that points all of us back to the hope in Jesus. We love you, Lord, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I know that's a lot of scripture, so if you're feeling at this point, whoa, how are we going to get through that all? Well, that's the challenge of today, and I think we're going to get through it all, so don't worry about it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. I want to start there because I think it's a really important preface before we get into chapter 4. We see that, that we, we, we hear here in this verse that there's kind of a, a detailed explanation of God's plan. Right? It says, God's plan is that both Jews and Gentiles who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by his children, and both are a part of the same body. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, you know that the people of Israel have long since been God's chosen people. That's the whole narrative of that Old Testament, right? God chooses for himself these people, and it is amongst the people of Israel whom he is in relationship with. And these people are represented here as the Jewish people in this verse. But I'm certain that you know And you noticed that they're not the only people listed in that verse. There's another group of people, the Gentiles. And the Gentiles would be anyone who would fall outside of the camp of Israel. So there's something big happening here. And essentially what Paul's trying to tell us is that all people are now available to join God's kingdom by the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is good news for us today. This is good news for us today because most of us come from that line of outside of the people of Israel. But because of Jesus' work, we can be united with Christ in God. Beautiful, beautiful things. So what is all the point of this? Why are we starting here? Well, let's look at one more piece of scripture, Ephesians 2.15. It says that he made peace between Jew and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. The point of this is that we have to understand that when we talk about the church, we are not talking about this room. We're not talking about a building. We're not talking about a sign and a place with an address. We are talking about a people of God. That when we say Anchor Church, 
We don't mean this physical address. We mean us in this room. When we say that we hope our church, we're not talking about the aesthetics of this room. We're talking about the hearts of the people in this very place. And that is imperative for us to understand as we move forward into the rest of this passage. The New Testament speaks so clearly to this fact that the people of God are representative of his church. That it is not that God wants a specific place. It's that God wants a specific people and he has accomplished that through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so I want to move into Ephesians chapter 4 with this in mind. So let's take a look starting in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Paul says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now I know that this might be cheesy. I know some of you might have heard this before. You might roll your eyes at me, but stay with me nonetheless. When you see the word therefore in the Bible, does anyone know why it's there? It's, it's what? Does anyone know? Yeah, it's there for a reason, right? Yeah, dad joke of the day. I get it, I get it. But it's important for us to know these things, to notice these things, because it, it's cluing us in to Paul, or to Paul kind of changing his pace in what he's saying. Often in Paul's letters throughout the Bible, the first half of them will be kind of the theological reasoning. He's describing the what and the why of the work of God. And the second half of his books often reflect the how. Okay, this is what Jesus has done, and now, in light of that, therefore, let's move into what we've been called to do. And we see that Paul follows suit just like this here in Ephesians. Another Bible reading tip, if you see a word repeated, pay attention. And in this verse, we see this notion of called or calling and being called by God twice. This is language that's familiar to Paul. We find the same type of language in, uh, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, in Romans, and in Colossians. But I think it begs the question, called to what? What are we called to? Well, I think in many ways, we just answered that question by looking at Ephesians chapter 3. We are called to be the people of God. That's what we're called to. We are called to no longer be living in total isolation and individualistically. We are called to be a part of God's kingdom family. And this is one of the most prominent ways that you and I as believers in Jesus can identify as Christians. Meaning I would say that it's incredibly difficult, if not altogether impossible, for us to do church or, or be a believer and a follower of Jesus and not be a part of his body. That's just not what the scriptures teach. They do not teach come and follow Jesus by yourself in your own lane without any help or any assistance from anyone else. That's, that's quite literally the opposite of what we are called to do as being people of God. Not live in isolation not depend only on ourselves, not me and Jesus alone, but, but we, together, in this space, as God's chosen people belonging to him as a part of the church. And I really want to impress on us this morning that engaging with and being a part of the body is such a critical component as to what it means to be a Christian. Belonging 
Not just fitting in, but belonging, being a part of something, knowing other people and having them know you. Walking through your life with other people around you is a staple as to what it means to be a believer in Jesus. For those of you who may be tuning in online with us, I know that there are reasons and seasons. That's language that we like to use around here. Uh, that, that there are reasons and seasons as to why you might not be joining us in person. We understand and know that reasons and seasons exist. And we also think that there is part of the beauty of the blessing of the body of God that gets missed out on if it's only through a TV screen or only through a screen. Because part of what it means to belong is to be together. Not just on this space on Sunday. Hear me say that. It is more than just sitting in this room on a Sunday morning. Belonging to the people of God is more than that, but that is a great start. This belonging to the people of God is not something that we've earned or deserved. Because listen now, Paul opens up his letter in Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 4 he says, Even before that God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is one of my favorite parts of the whole Bible. This is what he wanted to do, and it brought him great pleasure. God desired to bring you to him through the work of Jesus. And it wasn't out of this heavy weight obligation dragging his feet. It says that he desired to do this because it brought him great pleasure. That is good news for us this morning, and it's important to note the progression that's taking place here. We don't belong and consider ourselves a part of God's chosen people so that we can find a place within God's family. It's the opposite. It's because of the work of Jesus, because of the beauty of the gospel, because of what he has done for us, then we are to respond. In light of the gospel of God, we are, to, we are called to move into this space and place being the people of God. So what does it look like to lead a life worthy of that calling? Well, I think that's the rest of this section. So let's keep reading. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit. Binding yourself together with peace. So Paul starts to give us some directive here. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Notice the type of language that's being used here. I think this is so significant and it's easy to breeze by it. But Paul's interest and concern here is not about you being the perfect person by yourself in your own space. The language used here is about a corporate calling. Living a life of worthiness means living a life among each other. Be patient with each other, he says. Make allowance for each other's faults. Every statement here is connected as to how we are to relate to each other. Not just, hey, grow in your own spiritual discipline for the sake of being really disciplined. No. What, what good would that be if we are growing in faith and growing in our love and growing in our understanding and affection for God and yet we never engaged with anyone else? How does that build up the body? We're not called to just grow in our faith and then never express it in any capacity. We're called to engage with each other. 
We're called to be patient with each other and connect with each other. And I think that this serves as a great grounds for some spiritual assessment this morning. I think absolutely there's elements to our faith that we should be asking some questions that largely are our faith individualistically of how often am I going to God and and meeting him in his word? How often am I seeking him through times of prayer? But that's not the full and complete picture here. I think a great question to ask ourselves this morning is how engaged am I in being a part of this body? Am I using my gifts my passions, my talents, to build up other people in this space? I think that's a great place to ask ourselves. And depending on where we might answer, I think that serves as a gauge as to where we might invest and ask God to continue to lead and grow us in. If we're not engaging with each other, if we're not building each other up, I think that there is a component that we are missing out on being believers in Jesus. And this is the primary reality as to why we think there's danger in only engaging with this sort of content online or through a screen. It's hard to build each other up when we're not sitting across from one another. It's hard to love and get to know and be there and care for each other when we're not in the same space. Verse three, Paul kind of brings out this theme that we're gonna see here in a moment of of keeping ourselves bound together in unity. So let's look at Ephesians chapter four, verse four. For there is one body and one spirit. Notice the repetition, it's only gonna keep going. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. In two verses, this word one, this notion of unity, is said seven times. I think Paul's trying to tell us something here. That part of what it means to be the body is that there is unity demonstrated among us. Not just that we're in this space, but that we're united. That we are together, that there is unity amongst us. Because we see in God this unity being displayed. One of the most foundational principles for us as Christians is we believe that God is triune. Maybe you've heard of that word, maybe not. It's this notion of God being what we would call the Trinity, that God is one God. And yet, God is also existent in three distinct persons, that God is also Father, Son, and Spirit. And each one makes up who God is, that each one is not fully God, and yet they are all God together. And they all work together. Sometimes we can get into this mindset that we see, okay, well, God the Father works in the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit works in the book of Acts and Jesus Jesus is kind of present throughout the Gospels. God does not move in a divisive way apart from all of himself. The Spirit moves the way the Son moves, the way the Father moves. The work of the cross was not only Jesus doing and God the Father and the Holy Spirit are totally absent. No, God moves together with himself in unity and we see that unity demonstrated and we are called to embody that same unity. And listen to how Paul says this in Colossians chapter three. Verse 11, he says, in this new life that you've been called to, in this new life, these new people, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you are circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilized, slave or free. It doesn't matter. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us here. 
I think that's easy for us to read, but this would have been pretty offensive to hear. It would have been pretty offensive to hear, like, wait a second, what do you mean it doesn't matter? I have pride in where I come from and in where I'm going. It doesn't matter. I think this message is still so pertinent for us in the church today. And I want to issue a plea with us together as the people of God. Let us not get divided by the things of this world. Please. I don't, I don't know how much you consume the news or what's going on in the world or how heightened our senses are in these moments. But all I hear is which camp are you in? Are you a Democrat or are you Republican? Are you pro-vaccine or are you anti-vaccine? Are you pro-social justice or are you anti-social justice? And depending on which one of those groups you fall in, you are called to hate the other one. That's all that is being talked about right now. Which group are you in? And, and make sure that the only group you identify is the group that thinks like you, that looks like you, that talks like you, and believes like you. And anyone else who falls outside of that group is your enemy. That is not the way of thinking that we are called to as the people of God. That is not the way we are called to live, and it saddens me. It saddens me so much to see how much of this has infiltrated the church. I'm not saying by any, look, I was a history and political science major, so I, I, I engage in those sorts of spheres. My conversation this morning is not those things aren't important. You should be informed. Absolutely. But the danger comes when we allow the things of this world to be our primary identity when we identify far more as a Democrat or a Republican than we do a follower of Jesus Christ. Because the moment our identity starts to get placed in a creation or something or a camp of this world is when we start to vilify and demonize the other side. But we are called to unity as the body of Christ. Meaning we don't have the liberty to turn our back on the people who disagree with us. And say, because you don't think like me, I don't care about you. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to live a life above that. We are called to make every effort, Paul says, to keep ourselves bound together in peace. Man, there's probably some people in this room who disagree with us on some pretty specific issues. But we are called to make every effort to love them to understand them. And at the end of the day, to say, hey, look, we might disagree, but I still love you. Did you know that's okay to do? Did you know you don't have to hate someone who disagrees with you? That's okay. There's another option. You can say, hey, I see that differently. We're still good friends. That's, that's okay to do. I really promise you that it is. And that's what we're called to do as the people of God. We are called to make every effort to pursue peace with one another. And if I can make one more plea with you, it would be this. This is why it is so important for us to be connected to the word of God and the spirit of God and the people of God. Because the scriptures speak of unity together. The scriptures speak of bearing with one another. 50 times in the New Testament, we have one another statements. And not one of those are, if they disagree with you on political issues, turn your back on them. Not once, I promise. 
It's not in there. 50 different times, though, we are commanded to do things like forgive one another, love one another, bear with one another, care for one another. Those things are pretty hard to do if we discard people based on ideologies. But we have a bond together as the family of Christ and being connected to the word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God more than we're connected to our favorite news channels or social media platforms is a great place to start feeding our souls. It's a great place to start. Let's keep going. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7, he says, However, this is a similar word to therefore. We're, we're kind of changing pace a little bit. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that he says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Again, the word however here starts to mark Paul saying something a little differently. He's just repeated one, this notion of unity over and over again. He says, however, there's diversity amongst this unity. There's diversity that's present here. And that's where our tagline comes in. You don't just fit in, you belong. That God has equipped and gifted each one of you in this room to build up his people, the body of Christ, his church. It's not just a matter of finding a place to fit in. It's finding a place to belong, to connect to, to use how God has given and gifted you specifically to accomplish his purposes. There's a lot of theological controversy and conversation that are surround kind of verses 8, 9, and 10. What exactly was being talked about here? But the point, I think, regardless of where you fall, is the same. And that is that Jesus Christ was victorious. He accomplished what he came here to do to defeat sin, death, and evil and reunite us back to the Father. That has been done. And now he has given the church these gifts to help him proclaim the goodness of his gospel. Look at the end of verse 10. It says, And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Just a few verses earlier, in chapter 3, Paul says this in chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. I think that alone could be the message for today. God has a purpose to use his church. God has a purpose to use you and I. What's the purpose? to display his wisdom in rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was the eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. God could have chosen any way, any way he wanted to make his presence known throughout the universe. He could have chosen any way. And the scriptures tell us that part of the way he chose to do that is through you and I. That should bring such joy to our heart. That should bring such purpose to us as his people. That we are called by God to help partner with him in his mission of filling the entire universe with the goodness and the graciousness and the love of Jesus Christ. 
That's good news. We're called to something. We're not just called and saved so that we can sit here and be comfortable and be static. We are called to accomplish the purpose and the will of God to fill the universe with the goodness of Christ Jesus. And in order to do this, in order to help us accomplish this reality, Jesus gave his church specific gifts to build one another up to fulfill this. Verse 11 talks about them, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. I I hate to do this to you. I know that we talked about this last week, but we just don't have the time in today's content to, to spend what we feel would be adequate to start dissecting some of these giftings. We're going to get to it in this series. It is of high priority to us. But for now, what I think we need to know is that each one of us in this room have been gifted by God for a specific function of fulfilling his call and purpose on your life. That's good. I promise that's good. And we are called to work and walk in love with one another as we find what these things are in our life. And we're to use them, not for our benefit, but for the benefit and the glory of God's kingdom and for the benefit and the glory of one another. If we just read verse 7 and 11 back to back, I think it reads a little bit easier for us. It would say this, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. There should be such unity within the body of Christ, within us as the people of God. And yet within our unity, we are all wired differently. I know that that's something that I can encounter often in talking to people about Christianity is we have this idea that it's just this cookie cutter thing, right? Where every single one looks the exact same. And this scripture actually tells us that's not true. It's okay to be who God created you to be. I am someone who is so analytical and thought oriented and my wife and I love her dearly is so emotive and expressive and we make each other so much better because we are not the exact same. It might feel like it would be cooler if we all thought the same and looked the same and act the same, but I promise you it would be something else. There's an adage out there that talks about we often see in other people the things that we don't like about ourselves. So the things about our friends or our spouses or our family that drive us off the wall often are a reflection of the things that we do. Can you imagine if the whole people of God looked like us? I think that perceptually we'd be like, yeah, we would draw closer. But I think the closer we would draw, the more we would be like, I got to get out of here, man. I got to get out of here. That's just like when my brother and I get into an argument pretty soon. It's like, what are, what are we even doing here? Like, we are the exact same. Let's bring in our mom. Let's bring in someone else who balances us out here. Let's love each other, right? That is good that we are gifted and designed uniquely. It is okay to be who God created you to be. Some of us are creative and expressive and emotive. Praise God. Some of us are analytical and thought-oriented. That is good too. It is good to fulfill the way and walk in the way that God has called and wired us. Band, you guys can come on up. I want to look at the last couple of verses in this passage And we're going to close by looking at Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Last week, Kyle did a phenomenal job looking at verse 14, 15, and 16. So if if you want to dive deeper into those three verses, I would encourage you really go back and listen to those. Verse 12 says that their responsibility, 
the people whom God has gifted to build up his church, which again is all of us. It's not just one person or two people. It is all of us. All of us are called to build up God's people. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. There it is again, unity. And knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Paul brings us back to the message of unity. He says, unity, we are called to be one. And then he says, diversity, you have been gifted uniquely and created specifically. And then he brings us back and says, the uniqueness of your creation is to build and foster unity within the body. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. Meaning there is a plateau on our maturation process if we are not engaged with one another. There is only so much maturity we can achieve by ourselves. That if we desire to measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ, it requires us to be a part of the body. I am in no way saying that, that how you live your life outside of a moment of being connected is not important. It, it's so important. My plea this morning is that that's not the only thing that's important. We should be growing. We should be maturing personally. But we should also bring, be bringing our maturity. We should be bringing the way that we're growing and moving and being transformed into the image of God into the space here on Sunday, into our group ministries, into our lunches, into our dinners, into our coffee times, that that should be a part of who we are. Listen to how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says that there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. It's this repetition of diversity and unity, diversity and unity. And then he says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. We hope, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to get into the fact that we want to equip you, we want to walk with you about what your spiritual gifts might be. This might even be the first time you've ever heard of spiritual gifts. That's okay. That's okay. We're going to walk and work with you in this. And we believe that there is a degree of fulfillment that comes at a soul level as we begin to walk in these. But also, if we aren't exercising our gifts, we cannot say we're loving our neighbors well. Because our gifts are not for you and I to consume alone. Our gifts are to build and help each other as the body of Christ. This calls us to move out of our comfort zone. 
This calls us to sacrifice surrounding ourselves with people who only think like us, who only hang out in the same social circles as us, who only look at things the same way. Because if we do that, we run the risk of not building each other up and reaching in maturity in the full and complete standard of Jesus. I know that's hard. And I know that's not something that's very common right now, but I could not believe more deeply that this is what we are called to do as God's people. And this is how we get to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul has just spent so much time talking about the unity that should exist, the empowerment of you are created uniquely, that God knew you in your mother's womb and he has given you gifts and he has given you purpose and he has said, I want to use you to build my kingdom. I want you to be a part of my family and the body. And Paul gets to this point where he says, man, that's where we'll get to. And as we get to that point, we will grow faith and we will grow in our health and we will grow and be full of love when we get to that point. Again, I think it's appropriate to ask ourselves a little bit of a spiritual assessment that if, if we're maybe stagnant in our faith right now, if we're not experiencing growth in our life, if we're not experiencing the depth of love in our life, ask yourself the question, how engaged with you are, the, are you with the body? It's not the only question you should ask, but it's a good question to ask. And I know each one of us comes into this space with different backgrounds and different experiences, different age brackets, different denominational backgrounds. We, we could not be a more diverse group of people, and I love that. And hear me say this, it has been such a blessing to see more of this unity happening in our church. We see it. It's as simple as staying a little bit longer after service and having conversations. That has happened more and more frequently here. Because guess what? That points us to the fact that there is unity happening. It is so encouraging to see people ask us questions of how we can get involved. What does it look like to go deeper here? Because guess what? That's indicative of community. That's indicative of the fact that there is unity within the body. There are ways that we have, have worked tirelessly to accomplish this. And, 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 and quite simply, this is the reason why we do what we do. We don't get here and set stuff up so that, just so that these guys can play their instruments. That's not the point. The point is we are trying to create a space where we can fulfill the call of God on our life. We can start to begin uh, to build places in our life where we can come together as God's people, where we can minister to one another, where we can minister to the Lord, where we can walk out the calling that God has given us. And that's why we have group ministries, and that's why we do what we do now, that's why we have parent worship nights, that's why we have welcome lunches, that's the heart of why we do what we do, is because we want to connect together and grow together as the body. For some of us growing in this engagement, it might look like starting to hang out for a few minutes after service and having a conversation with someone you don't know. Maybe some of you are already doing that. For you, maybe it's inviting someone to lunch, inviting them to your home for dinner to get to know them a little bit more. For some of you, maybe it's getting involved in group ministries, taking a step deeper in faith, 
taking a step of faith and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to commit myself to this process. I don't know what all you have for me, but I know that I'm called to be a part of the body. Would you stand with me? If you're in this space and you're not a follower of Jesus, this is available to you. And I know that there are so many different perceptions and conversations about what the church is and is it good and is it bad. And and hear me say this, the church is far from perfect. It would be foolish to say that we are. But my hope would be that you would hear the heart of what we want to be. A people united in love, doing our best to live day by day to honor our God, to build you up. And this is available to you not because of how good or bad you've been, not because of the circumstances in your life right now, it's available to you because of the work of Jesus Christ. As we read in Ephesians chapter one, he loved us and he chose us and it brought him great pleasure to do that. That's available to you today through Jesus. And this would be my hope and heart for us as a church, that we would embody this more and more, not just on Sundays, but on Mondays and on Tuesdays and on Wednesdays. And every day of the week, we would begin to press deeper into what it means to be God's people, to be his church, to partner with him in filling the universe with the magnificent, glorious presence of his son, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me as we enter into a time of worship? Lord, we we ask for more of that right now. God, more of your spirit to empower us. God, we pray for for healing of the insecurities, of the hurt, of the pain in our life, God, that keeps us from taking a step towards your people. God, there are so many stories of pain and hurt that are so real. And God, we pray that, that by the power of your grace, you would heal. God, and you would call us deeper, into faith and community with you and into faith and community with one another. Lord, we desire to to glorify you, to walk this out in our life, God, and we just, we ask for more of you, more of you, God, more of you. It's in Jesus' name.